anything you want to tell us, Mr. T? Aerial View with Chris Live. End Times Talk Radio. Friday! 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Call 760-422-5528. The Pound. NYC.com. You have a podcast. Cool. Oh, yeah, I invented them. Murder me, someone! Show the man your power, baby. Blast him! Give him some of that tone! <laughs> 
ideas for this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen of the radio audience. Very auspicious beginning. Sure, talk show. You know, people falling in like a beef. Oh, what about whatever happens to bug you? That's what you're talking about. Sometimes he agrees with the caller, other times he sets him straight. <laughs> Play. Excuse me. Make sure you have the record player on it. We took one when I uh, very recently when I uh, when I was you know the radical left was saying is you all there is you all there and I proved I was all there because I, I ate it I ate it. in front of doctors and they were very surprised they said that's an unbelievable thing rarely does anybody do what you just did but he should take that same test but he hasn't taken any cognitive tests because he couldn't pass one i actually took one when i uh, very recently when i uh, when i was you know the radical left was saying is he all there is he all there and i proved i was all there because I, I aced it i aced the test and he should take the same exact test, a very I'll standard admit. test. I took took it at Walter I will Reed, eat my neighbors. I'm not letting my kids die. Uh, I'm just going to be honest. My superpowers being honest, I've extrapolated this out, and I won't have to for a few years since I got food and stuff, but I'm literally looking at my neighbors now and going, I'm ready to hang them up and gut them and skin them and chop them up. You know what? I'm ready. My daughters aren't starving to death. I'll eat my neighbors. See, my superpowers being honest, I'll eat your ass. View back on the air. Oh, yes, the air being the hound, NYC.com. Don't forget the dot com. It doesn't work without the dot com, as far as I know. This is a live phone in talk show that's been around since 1989. Dear God, won't someone kill this thing already, please? Every week I sit in front of this microphone and I think to myself, what am I doing? What am I doing here? What is this? What is this thing I'm doing? Why? Why am I doing it? Trust me, friends, I have yet to come up with an answer to that all these years later. Let's do some math. 1989 minus 2020. 2020 minus 1989. What do you get? Let's see. Hmm. 30... One years? Does that sound right? You would think by now I would know. But, 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 there's always a but. There's always a big but. Let's talk about your big but. At 760-422-5528. 760-I-CALL-AV. It's like a vanity phone number. Imagine that. And the AV doesn't stand for audiovisual. No. Aerial view. What else could it possibly stand for? we got a few minutes anyway before we invite back to the program the only constitutional 
scholar I know. He's actually a constitutional professor. I speak, of course, of Ken Katkin, who will uh, be here to talk about some recent Supreme Court decisions and what they mean. We'll sift through all this crap. We're going to sift through it. Sifting, always sifting. And then uh, there's much more as well. There could be another surprise guest. And uh, we'll see if that comes together. But there's a, a friend of mine, I've known him many years, uh, who happens to know a lot about the Civil War and American history because uh, it was on July 11th, 1804, that Alexander Hamilton got it. He got shot, shot down by Aaron Burr, that bastard. You know, there's a Burr place here in Weehawken. Here in the Hawk, as we like to call it. And uh, I've actually been on Burr Place. There's also, I'm sure, Hamilton Street somewhere. God knows. Why I could uh, throw a rock and I could hit the dueling grounds from here. Not that I would. It's probably not a good idea throwing rocks right now. But uh, we tried to watch Hamilton the other day. Sweet Tea and I, we sat down. I got a trial of that Disney Plus crap so I could see Mandalorian, Baby Yoda, and uh, there was Hamilton. Four years later, 2016 is when it debuted. It moved to Broadway and it became a smash, a smash hit, made a household name out of many people in the cast and its creator, Lin-Manuel Miranda. And the twist with Hamilton was they took all these racist bastard founding fathers, these slave-owning bastards who wanted to break away from screaming mad King George and they cast them with people of color they cast them as people of color they twisted it and reversed it and then Lin-Manuel Miranda who loves hip-hop wrote a hip-hop score and uh Never got to see Hamilton when it was actually in a theater and you could sit in a theater without fellow human beings killing you with their airborne COVID-19. I'm shaking my fist at the ceiling when I do that, by the way. COVID-19! Wait a minute, that needs some reverb. COVID-19! Oh, that's better. That's more like it. Gotta shake your fist at the ceiling when you do that. COVID 19! Plus, the tickets were like 400 goddamn dollars or something ludicrous. Look, I believe in employing people, and there's a lot of good jobs down there on the Great White Way. Wait a minute, should we be saying that anymore? Maybe that's gotta change too! Why does it gotta be the Great White Way? God damn it. The number here is 760-I-CALL-AV, 760-422-5528. That number in Palm Springs, where it's probably a balmy 100 degrees. But, you know, it's a dry heat. So, uh, yeah, tomorrow, 1804. I don't want to do that math. Please don't make me do that math. 2020 minus 1804. And, uh... 
what happened on that day? Well, on that day, scores were settled. Why did Hamilton dislike Burr and Burr dislike Hamilton so much? I don't know. What am I, a history major? That's why I'm going to have my special guest later on after Ken Katkin, constitutional scholar. Hell, constitutional professor. And uh, I wish I could remember what goddamn school it is, but I always forget. Sorry, Ken. Ken, you'll tell me when we talk on the phone. And uh, then everybody will know. But trust me, guy knows his stuff. He probably even knows why Burr shot Hamilton. I'm sure he knows. I don't like that guy, that Hamilton. I don't like him. Oh, I wish someone would cast me as Aaron Burr. Damn. That's how I would play it. I don't like him. I never liked him. We got a duel. Duel. Come here. So now there's a uh, statue at the Weehawken waterfront. When I was regularly commuting, taking the boat back and forth across the Hudson River to go to my job in Rockefeller Center, I was there the day that thing first went up. It appeared out of nowhere. Bronze, cast bronze statue of, of Burr shooting Hamilton and they're spaced, I don't know how far apart, 10 feet apart. How many paces are you supposed to do when you duel? You st I know you stand, you start in the middle, you stand back to back with your weapons pointing towards the sky and then you count off a certain number of space, uh, paces and then you turn and you fire. I don't know if you fire at will or what the deal is. That I don't know. Maybe someone out there is an expert on dueling and wants to share. Feel free. 760-422-5528. We got another minute and then we're going to get Ken Katkin on the line. We'll talk a little bit about what uh, happened at the Supreme Court lately. But there was a couple other things on the Upside Down update. Well, two more. Yes, two more things. By the way, Burr shooting Hamilton is certainly not what I would consider news. It happened a very long time ago, 1804. And again, don't ask me to do the math. Not going to do it. No, sir. Not going to do it. But this is more uh, of a news type of item. Neil Young, on uh, July 3rd, told the president's people to knock it the fuck off with his music. He didn't quite put it like that, but that's what he meant. Because, you know, they do this pre-show when they fill up these arenas for these rallies, these Nuremberg rallies that the president likes to have. And uh, they play music to pump up the crowd. And apparently they were playing Keep on rocking in the B-World. And they also played, for some reason, Cowgirl in the Sand. I don't, that one I don't get. I don't really get it. Why are you playing Cowgirl in the Sand? And then, uh, this other one I don't get either. Like a Hurricane. You are like a hurricane. There's calm in your eye. And I'm getting blown away. I'm going to do a whole Neil Young 
album like that, cover Neil Young. I've sung Neil Young on stage, by the way. Perhaps the finest song that encapsulates a certain kind of American paranoia that's ever been written. I refer, of course, to Powderfinger. If you've never heard my rendition of it, it's too goddamn bad for you, right? Boo-hoo. Maybe I'll end the show with it. You know, this is live radio. I can really do whatever I'd like. It's all happening in the here and now. And none of us are actually in the here and now anymore. We're all stuck in this amorphous limbo where we don't know what the hell's going to happen next. And now it's time to try to profess it. Here's your dialing music that sucks. Dear me. I think these, we're getting them. Hello there? Professor Katkin? Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you now. You okay. didn't have your what's it put into your what's not. You didn't have your intas into your gazautas. Yep, I Sounds got it like now. To yeah, me. I, I was muted, but now I'm, I'm audible. Yeah. You're not an engineer. You're a professor. It's okay. That's right. <laughs> it's okay. And remind us again at what school. Yeah, it's at uh, Chase College of Law, which is at Northern Kentucky University, right outside of Cincinnati. Named after the great David Chase, uh, TV writer of some renown. <laughs> no, not not him. Not he's, He was the Sopranos guy, right? Uh, in Rockford Files? But, uh, no, yeah, it's, it's, I think uh, so. Why not name a school after that guy? Why not? <laughs> yeah. What's the big deal? Why would that you know, be so it's wrong? Named after, named after Salmon P. Chase, who was... Uh, who held uh, slaves, Abraham right? Abraham Lincoln made him the chief justice of the Supreme Court. Don't tell me he held slaves, please. No, he was oh, a, he oh, was an abolitionist okay. lawyer his whole career. Really? Yeah, he was an abolitionist, so you could leave his statue intact. You could leave yes, it up. Yes, he, rep- he represented uh, slaves who fled to Cincinnati from Kentucky. In fact, no kidding. Yeah, they fled from uh, from Kentucky to Cincinnati. Yeah, right across the river, the same commute right. that I make every day. But back then, it was tougher. Yeah, yeah, back then, please, back then. So, did, was he successful? Yeah, he was. Uh, they actually they used to call him the Attorney General of the Slaves um, because he he was very successful. Did you know all of this before ending up there at David Chase College? <laughs> it's Salmon Chase College of Law. I didn't know as much about Chase, but I I did know that he was the person that Lincoln had appointed to be Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. But I, I learned more about him after I came out here. That is pretty prestigious. I had no idea. I mean, you sounded like you ended up at the right school. I mean, this guy's fighting on the right side. Right? He's an abolitionist. He's fighting to free people, and he's successfully doing it in front of the Supreme Court. How? What did he say when he got up in front of the Supreme Court? Oh, well, he didn't. His slave cases mostly didn't get to the Supreme Court. It's it's later that he became uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. But when he was in Cincinnati, most of his, his cases were argued in the Ohio courts, and he would, he would typically argue that um, being present on free soil in Ohio um, made made people free, or he'd find particular um, kinds of individual issues with their individual cases to argue that they'd they'd attain their freedom. Would he often, uh, or would he sometimes argue that to not give this person their freedom would mean their death? Like you, if you send this person back to Kentucky, or what were they going to do? Let this person roam around Cincinnati yet not be free? I mean, what, return them to their quote unquote master? What what could have been the other outcome? Yeah, well, I mean, under the fugitive slave laws that were in place before the Civil War, um, the the there would have been an obligation of Ohio to extradite slaves back to the back to the slave states, um, unless there was some successful argument in an individual case that 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 slave had somehow attained freedom. 
so he was saving these people from certain death because I don't know would they when a fugitive slave was returned to a master uh, they uh, they were too expensive to just kill. I mean, you can't just kill this piece of property. So what would they do? Would they hobble them? Would they give them some kind of, kind of permanent injury? Uh, I remember reading a little bit about this, but they weren't, they didn't go unpunished. That, let's no, just put I mean, it that often way. Often they would, they would sell them downriver. I think the usual assumption was that being a slave in Kentucky or Tennessee wasn't as bad as being a slave in Mississippi. And uh, so often they would sell them downriver in those kind of situations. Is that where that phrase came from? Got sold um, down a river. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe so. There was an article yeah. in the paper the other day about things we probably shouldn't say anymore because they have racist origins, racist roots roots to them, and I, I do believe that's one of them, sold down the river. Now, you could still say uh, they sent him up the river because that was a reference to Sing Sing, going up the Hudson River to Sing Sing. It's still okay to say... I'm trying to sort out the whole river thing, Ken. I, I'm I, I'm trying to sort out the whole river thing. Yeah, it's okay to go rivers. up the. Uh, they sent me up the river. You could still say that. You can't say I got sold down the river because that's 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 not good. Right, unless and you're I, using it accurately about slaves who were sold down the river, I guess. You used it contextually, and that's what I like about you. You're usually <laughs> contextual. That's uh, it's uh, it's always a good thing to be because so much goes on nowadays that's out of context and and it's driving me nuts frankly it's making me a little insane but uh when we look back over the week that just was at the supreme court because i always have you on i want you're my supreme court sifter you help us sift i always imagine you with like that flour sifter that my mother used to have that never worked properly but you're you at at least you can sift through what happened at the supreme court because i keep hearing that a it was good and b not so good uh and both of these decisions that came down recently are connected to what happened to david berman the uh, guy that ran the southern district of new york the uh, attorney general of the southern district of new york when he met at some fancy what was it the plaza hotel with uh, william barr the most corrupt person that's ever won the justice department and William Barr tried to pressure him into retire into retiring early, like you got to retire. And and he said, no, not so much. I don't have to, and I'm not going to, and you can't force me to retire. And then William Barr went back and lied about what had happened, and then went to his boss, President Trump, and said the bastard won't quit. You gotta you gotta get rid of him. You gotta fire him. And then of course that's what he did. But uh, they didn't get what they wanted, did they? They didn't get to put a boot-licking, lick-spittle lackey in place. No, that, that's right. I, I don't know if the two things are connected, though. That Jeffrey Berman, actually not David. David Berman was the singer in The Silver Jews who died. But oh, David Jeffrey, Berman. Je- yeah, Jeffrey Berman was the David uh, Berman the, the is, my, is my, my yeah. David Berman is but my he, cousin through marriage. That's why I always think of David Berman. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. It's Jeffrey Berman. Sorry. Jeffrey Berman. Yeah. No, I don't know if that was connected to these two Supreme Court cases. I, I, I It wasn't Berman's office that was pursuing any of the subpoenas that were in the two Supreme Court cases. One of those was being pursued by Cyrus Vance, who's the New York state uh, district attorney. He's not the federal U.S. attorney. Um, And the other one was being pursued by the U.S. House of Representatives, the House uh, Judiciary Committee. So it wasn't really the U.S. attorney's office in New York that was just at the Supreme Court. But but I think you're definitely right in the main that um, the reason that uh, Barr was trying to push out Berman um, is that there were other investigations that would be harmful to Trump that were going on. I mean, I think Berman had actually announced that that his office was investigating his own former law partner, uh, Rudolph Giuliani, 
Um, so those investigations are seemingly going on. And I think some of the um, investigations related to Michael Flynn were still going on out of that office. Um, there were, Some of the Flynn um, allegations had to do with um, him accepting bribes that really came from Turkey, but through that were filtered through a Turkish bank in New York um, to influence Trump's foreign policy as national security advisor. And I think that um, Berman's office was investigating that Turkish bank in New York. So I, I do definitely think that he was put, try, they tried to put him out for corrupt reasons, um, but he played his cards pretty well. He, he publicized the whole thing. He shined a lot of sunlight on it and he sort of forced, um, I think he forced a good outcome because even though he left, uh, Berman was able to make sure that his own deputy stayed temporarily in charge of the office, which means that all those investigations are, are presumably continuing right now. And what happens with the appointment? Because if it's a temporary replacement, then when does the president get to appoint somebody else? Well, you know, the president could appoint somebody as soon as the Senate would confirm somebody. But in Trump's case, that's actually never happened in the in, in for the New York office. Um, so the, the last person that was ever confirmed to be a U.S. attorney for, for the Southern District of New York was Preet Bharara, who was uh, uh, President Obama's U.S. attorney for New York. And um, uh, Trump very famously fired uh, Preet Bharara on Trump's first week in office in a, in a similarly public episode. Um, but Trump never has nominated anybody that ever got confirmed by the Senate for that job. Uh, Trump did put uh, Berman into that job, but he put him in as an acting U.S. attorney. And he stayed in that job for the 120 days that an acting U.S. attorney is allowed to stay in the job. And if, if the president hasn't gotten anybody else in it by then, the federal court for that district, so in this case, the federal district court for New York City, is allowed to um, say that the, the temporary appointee can stay in place. And they did do that with Berman. So he was still in place under the um, because the court let him stay in place. At that point, Trump had nothing to do with it anymore. And, and Trump has never, um, he has never nominated anybody for that seat who's been confirmed by the Senate. Now, he did just recently nominate um, the guy who he currently has in as the head of the Securities Exchange Commission, uh, a guy named Clayton. This is a guy who's never practiced criminal law a day in his life. And I think it's possible that Trump has made just enough enemies, even among the Republicans in the Senate now, that they're going to slowball that and that there's not going to be a confirmation hearing before the election. Oh, um, listen, from your mouth to God's ears, if there is one, I'm just saying. Yeah, this yeah is... I think I, that's my prediction. I mean, I, th I think if Trump gets reelected, then the Senate will give his his nominee a confirmation hearing after the election. But I think if, if Trump doesn't, um, his his bid to 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 tamp down on what the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in New York is investigating, I think it's it's going to wash up on the rocks here. You're listening to TheHoundNYC.com, where you could hear Hound howls all week long. And don't forget Crash in the Party. Mark and Miriam, doo-wop, chop-chop of the air every Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. The Hound Howl is just before at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm talking with uh, Professor, uh, Professor Ken Katkin, who is uh, teaching constitutional law at uh, David Chase College there in Salmon, Salmon Sa Chase College. Salmon Chase College. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can only tell that joke one more time. I, yeah. I actually, okay. I probably told it one time too many. And we're reviewing recent Supreme Court decisions. There's been some big ones, right? Why is the Supreme Court cranking up all this output right now? What's going on? Well, that, that actually always happens um, in late June and early July because the, the Supreme Court's term runs from the first Monday in October, um, typically until the last, till the end of June, they, they stop hearing cases um, usually in April, um, and then they have until, you know, then they just have to do their homework. They write all these opinions, 
and uh, and then they can go home for the summer. And it's usually the case that the biggest and most controversial decisions that they're they're having a hardest hard, hardest time finishing the opinions on are the last ones that they decide. So this is actually typical at this time of year. In fact, if anything, they've gone a week or two later this year than they usually do um, in holding up these these decisions. But the, but that's why there's a lot of them right now. Are you uh, like many Supreme Court observers? The first time I've used that phrase ever on this program. Supreme Court observers. Are you uh, going back and forth in your mind about the Trump appointees and how they they're not the the votes aren't swinging necessarily his way and whether or not he's got buyer's remorse? Well, he probably has a little buyer's remorse, but I actually think the votes are swinging his way, um, you know, more than he probably realizes. And uh, I would say that's definitely true about yesterday's decisions in the uh, in the in the subpoena cases that that. They really gave him big gifts, and he just can't see it. How do, how so? How, how well, are they big gifts? The, the law could hardly be clearer than it is that um, he is subject to these subpoenas. Um, you know, in fact, in in the history of the Supreme Court before before this week, there had never been a single justice in any case who ever voted that a president wasn't subject to subpoenas. Right? The the, the Nixon case with the Watergate tapes was a nine nothing case and four of the justices on that court were appointed by Nixon but they voted nine nothing that he had to um, comply with the the subpoenas uh, from from the independent counsel's office and that led directly to his resignation the Paula Jones case was a nine nothing case against President Clinton um, where he didn't want to be deposed by Paula Jones when she sued him for sexual harassment that included the two justices that were his appointees so you know there, there's the, the principle that the president is not above the law, and is not uh, exempt from complying with lawful subpoenas. Um, it could not be clearer. And and the, the 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 lower courts in these cases, you know, found these to be very easy cases and and ruled against Trump. Um, and what the U.S. Supreme Court should have done is just not taken the case since there was nothing difficult in the case. There was no basis for them to take the case. All they ended up doing by taking it was slowing down the implementation of those lower court orders for a long time. And then the way they made the rulings, you know, even though they pretty much had to rule um, the way, you know, every justice before them ever ruled, which is that the president's not above the law, um, they did manage to do it in a way that slowed down even now um, until past the election, uh, the ability of any of this information to actually get, reach the public. Yeah, we still um, won't see his tax returns, right? And, no, and, 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 I, I and want we'll, you to, see, we'll see him, but not in 2020. Not we'll, in 2020. We'll him, I want yeah, you to, in the earliest at 2021. I want you to drill down. Uh, there's a phrase I don't use that often either, but uh, on what happens when the Supreme Court refuses to hear a case and they kick it back to a lower court? Does that mean the, there is no further recourse and for anybody's lawyers, including the president's lawyers? That's essentially a decision, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's what usually happens. So the Supreme Court receives about a thousand petitions a year to hear cases, and they only grant about 75 of them. So, you know, in the 925 that they don't grant, the minute they say we're not hearing the case, that means that the lower court's decision is final and enforceable. And what are usually the grounds for that? Is it essentially that this is settled law or there's precedent? We don't need to rehear this. Is it we're not yeah. getting involved in this? And is it this is a local thing or not? Do they it's, ever it's a, send something back because they're just not going to get involved? Yeah, that sometimes happens, but overwhelmingly the reason is because the law is too settled for them to bother with it, and the, the, the lower court got the law substantially correct. 
right? So if the if the Supreme Court looks at looks at any case, no matter how important it is, um, often they say, well, we read the lower court opinion. It seems right. It seems like the law is settled. Therefore, we're done. We don't need to take this case. Now, occasionally they will take cases um, to say that these are cases that courts shouldn't be involved in. There's a fancy word for that. They call that the political question doctrine. Um, but they didn't even do that here. I mean, they actually acknowledged when they took the case that courts should be involved in this and that these uh, subpoenas um, potentially are enforceable. They just they just uh, they just slow slowballed the, the enforcement. Well, because the law changes, the, they would have to take back cases or they would have to hear cases that they might have rejected previously. Is, I mean, is that fair to say that if if there is legislation that might make them reexamine something that they they're not going to send it back to a lower court? Yeah, I mean, even if they want to change their own previous decisions, um, that does happen. I think that happened in one of the cases this term, which people mostly, uh, 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 um, I don't know, there, there were cases this term where they changed previous precedents. I'll just say that, and they they do that, but um, but they they uh, but but they didn't do that in the in these subpoena cases, right? The subpoena cases, they took the decisions up from the lower court. They basically said the lower courts got everything right and the law was clear. And then they said, but we need to just slow things down a bit so nothing can move forward until after the election. And uh, and that, that was just a purely political maneuver. So I mean, if they had actually decided it was time to change the law and say that presidents are uh, actually now going to be above the law. And by the way, two of the justices did say that. Um, so they weren't unanimous this time. Um, but uh, and it's, uh, it's, have Thomas, Thomas and Alito did Thomas say that. Thomas and Alito, they always... Yeah, Thomas they said they, they said they wanted to be the first two justices <laughs> yeah. in in uh, U.S. history to vote that the the the, the correct law, the law should be that the president is completely above the law. Um, so, that you know, is for them, amazing. For them, it was, yeah, for them, it was reasonable to take the case because they 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 actually wanted to change the the constitutional law. But for the for the for the other Republicans who who took the case um, but then didn't change the current law, um, really, it's just an effort in in slowballing the the the. The train so that not, things don't move forward before the well, election. Let me give the benefit of the doubt to to this particular Supreme Court. Do they do this ever because they want it to be truly settled once and for all? They want to put their stamp on it and essentially say, yeah, we looked at this. Don't bother us with this again. This is it. You, nobody is above the law, including the person who happens to be commander in chief, because that would be ridiculous. Imagine having a commander in chief who is above the law. I mean, how is that possible? Then you don't have a president anymore. You have a king. You have a monarchy. So why are you asking us? I'm playing the role of the Supreme yeah. Court, by the way. Well, the thing is, they don't need to take a new case to say that because they've said that in so many cases before. So I think taking the new case is just muddying the waters, really. It's not clarifying anything. Um, I think the lower courts in this, in this case... Um, they correctly followed the pre-existing Supreme Court precedent, and they they, they quoted it. They ruled that way. Um, and so then there what was the, no reason for this. What Supreme did the Court president tweet after that? That that it was unfair. That other presidents have gotten broad deference, which to him means the broads defer to him. That's what it means. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he doesn't even know. Yeah, he doesn't even know what that means. Broad uh, no, deference. no president has ever been held to be um, exempt from valid lawful subpoenas. Well, he's just regurgitating what he hears on stupid Fox and Friends. I mean, what, what do you you think he's having an original thought? I, I don't think that happens. <laughs> no. it, it, I don't think it occurs. I think it just is we're locked in a death spiral between him and Fox News. The, the one we've talked about on this program many times. But before we run out of road with uh, 
Ken Katkin, who is my personal constitutional scholar. What about the other recent cases involving LGBTQ rights and what religious organizations can and cannot do to their employees? It sounds like one was a few steps forward and the other one was a few steps back. Yeah, it's hard for me to completely figure out, um, you know, why that happened. Uh, I think in the in the LGBT case, um, you know, at some level, you got to read between the lines a little bit and and maybe think that the, you know, one or two of the Republican justices on the court um, don't want the court to sort of set itself against uh, modernity. Um, but I think in the, you know, if you actually read the Gorsuch Or maybe they're gay. Could yeah. that be it? <laughs> Yeah, they do it a lot, but but the, maybe the LBGT thing is just too too odious to to, to rubber stamp uh, discrimination on that basis. I think broad American popular opinion um, now favors uh, equal treatment of LGBT people, and and you know so I think that would have you know been hard would have been hard for the court to carry the far right line on that one. It would just end up looking like a really bad decision going forward, and that may be what was really motivating them. But none of that appears in the opinions. If if you if you read the Gorsuch opinion. Um, what he tries to do is he tries to say that it's it's a um, that the conservatives are really into reading the text of statutes without trying to put it in any proper context. That that is what the conservatives call plain language textualism, and so he says he's going to do that here. And the the Civil Rights Act of 1964 uses the words um, no discrimination based on sex, and and Gorsuch says, well, if you just read that word completely literally and strip it from whatever context people meant in 1964, um, then literally discriminating against LGBT people is discriminating based on sex because you're discriminating against an employee because they're dating, you know, you're discriminating against a male employee because they're dating another male. Well, you wouldn't mind if that uh, employee was dating a male if the employee was female. So that's discrimination based on sex. So he read it that way very literally, and yeah. uh, that is a form of literalism that conservative justices tend to like. So that's that's what Gorsuch did here. Well, good. But then the other one is essentially going to deprive 100 to 200,000 women of, of access to birth control. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if it really does. It will. It may in the very short run, but I'm hoping that um, uh, with a with a Biden administration forthcoming, uh, that that the um, there's going to be rules that govern the insurers. That are going to require the insurers to provide that coverage, even even when um, you have employers who object to paying for it. Ken Katkin, I always appreciate when you're with us, and uh, I'm going to leave with one question about potential um, replacements, as far as the president's concerned, if he does get to make the appointment to the Southern District of New York. I mean, I'm going to go with Judge Janine Pirro. What do you think? <laughs> no, that... it'll be here, and he did say it's going to be this guy Clayton who runs the <laughs> Securities Exchange Commission. Clayton uh, Toady. Yeah, a totally a golfing buddy of his at the Trump place in New Jersey. This is really like the worst kind of white male privilege nepotism. It's sort of like, I know the guy. I'll give him a job. How yeah, bad could he be? Yeah, in uh, fact, Trump's Trump's spokesperson, Kaylee McEnany, when they asked her why why Clayton, she's like, well, Clayton was um, golfing with the president in, in his place in New Jersey and Clayton mentioned to the president that he doesn't love living in D.C. and he wants to come back to New York. So the president's like, oh, OK, I'll give you Berman's job at the Southern District. That's actually what the president's own oh spokesperson was saying Oh, my God, he's so this. transactional. It's really about like, yeah, you know, I'll give you that gig and you protect me from the yeah. crap that's going down. That's I exactly. mean, this yeah. is this. We got 90 more days, just over 90 more days of this shit. 
and I just keep asking. I keep myself up at night. I don't go to bed till like 1.30 in the morning. Uh, like a lot of people, I'm on the Corona coaster, as I saw it referred to today. Like some days, I'm like, oh, I got all this time, and I can bake banana bread, and I can restore my vintage speakers. And then other days, I'm like, I, I'm too depressed to move. I just have to go in the basement and watch television until it passes. Because I'm like, what kind of weird amber have we been caught in we're caught in this very weird moment and we have to get out of it and we and like in the next 90 days how much worse can he make things ken katkin i don't know he's got more than 90 because he's got the lame duck session as that's well true. so that's Sorry. yeah that's another few Pader. months uh, yeah i think he can do a lot of damage i mean he's trying hard to damage every american institution that he can and i i think he's gonna i think that would only accelerate during a lame duck if he loses the election well, I, again, I thank you for your time and for being here and for helping us sift through some of this. My Supreme Court sifter, Ken Katkin, who is a professor of constitutional law at Salmon Chase College there in, where is it? Ohio? It's, it's, it's in northern Kentucky, northern which is the Kentucky. suburbs of Cincinnati. It's, uh, like, it's like Cincinnati's New Jersey. You could throw a rock across the river, basically. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's always good to talk to you. And tomorrow, by the way, the day that Burr shot Hamilton... In 1804, you're gonna. What are you gonna? Are you gonna? I was about to say celebrate. Are you gonna commemorate in any way? Does does uh? You you know, I I never usually do, but I will say before I came out here, you know, I lived in New Jersey and uh, I was a graduate of Princeton University out there, which is where where Burr went. Mm. And um and to this day, there's an Aaron Burr Hall uh, in Princeton University, and and I. I don't think he's very celebrated in very many places, and it always surprised me that they kept his name on that building all these years, but there is one down there. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Good to talk to you, and uh, we're going to turn for a moment to the bit of the news that I forgot to share with you during the Upside Down update, and that is that the president may have slipped up and mentioned the reason for why he was at Walter Reed Hospital uh, a few months back. You remember, if you will, that there was this weird, mysterious visit to uh, Walter Reed Hospital, and we never knew why. And he was talking to Sean Hannity, and he said something about uh, taking a cognitive test. Now, ask yourself, why would he go and take a cognitive test? Because people were like, what's wrong with you? You're slipping. And so he says, and of course we know he lied, and it's not true. Uh, that he he passed with flying colors. He uh, gave the best results that people have ever seen since the history of time began. And now we welcome our next guest, uh, longtime friend Jim Ryan, who uh, is here to talk a little bit about. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Civil War, which All right. uh, has one of the worst names ever for a war. And uh, a little bit about Alexander Hamilton as well. Uh, welcome to the program. This is Aerial View on the HoundNYC.com. And uh, I haven't talked to Jim Ryan since we both ended up at the Museum of Illustration over there on 63rd Street in Manhattan, uh, which turned out to be the house that William C. Gaines used to live in, and he donated it to the Society of Illustrators, and we ran into each other there. That's got to be five or six years ago. I, how quickly the time goes. It does indeed. Nice to hear from you, Chris. It's good to talk to you. So in that time, you have moved out to Minneapolis area. Yeah. And boy, and things trouble have... trouble just follows me. The trouble followed you, man. Yeah. Uh, not only uh, George Floyd, I mean, uh, the murder of George Floyd by the police launching a worldwide movement, but the mayor of Minneapolis running an op-ed in the Times 
the other day about how white people suck and need to do more to bring about racial justice, including um, think about giving up their property values and otherwise. I'm not clear. She didn't lay out a plan exactly. She she basically just said uh, we suck and we and we need to do better. Yeah, well, she's she's former mayor of Minneapolis. I don't think the current mayor um, would say that because for political reasons. Yes, the, the, we, the, the we suck part. Right. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely an issue because this is a highly highly segregated um, town, and I like to joke that, that there are uh, my neighborhood has more Black Lives Matter signs than black people. It it really is kind of a form of virtue signaling using your house and i never approved of that i always thought like i was in san francisco in 1984 right in the hate ashbury area hanging out with these skinheads don't ask how that happened it wasn't intentional but we were coming back from a beer run when one skinhead saw a bumper sticker on a car for whoever was the democratic candidate in 84 who was it uh, the guy that was in the tank right was it dukakis it might no, have been that was uh, Mondale. Mondale, because that was going to be my first choice. And this skinhead picked up uh, a, a somehow there was a concrete block lying there, like a cinder block, and he threw it through the back window of this car. And I and we all had to run suddenly. You know that thing where you're walking and now it's like run, and yep. the people you're with are like running, and you have to run with them. And I'm like, what, 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 what? And I thought to myself, I will never put a political bumper sticker on my car. And I will not put a political sign on my house. Those are not the ways that I choose to show my support for whatever it is I show my support. You know what I do, Jim Ryan? I send those people money. How stupid am I? That's I'm like, what I do. <laughs> that's what I do too. I don't put. I don't put. I, I as a matter of fact, I recently annoyed. Um, I don't know if you're if you're covered by FCC regulations here. Um, no, FCC okay, here stands so for fucking cunts some. can go to hell. That's what it stands yeah, for. I recently pissed off some of my neighbors by um, on next door by suggesting that um, I would be. Uh, I'm not as keen to see uh, Black Lives Matter signs on on people's lawns as actual black people in my neighborhood. And then I had a couple people um, tell me, why don't I move? <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute now. Put the brakes on for just a minute. Uh, don't you think that this moment is so freighted that your kind of subtle point, is, <laughs> which to me isn't terribly subtle, is not going to go over? I mean, the age of subtlety has passed, Jim. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, what age? <laughs> it's just that, like, you know, I, you know, one of the things about, about this town is... Um, you know, a lot of the houses in the quote unquote nice parts of town are covered, were covered originally by what's called racial covenants, which is written into the, um, into the mortgage documents. The lease was, you can't rent to black, you can't um, sell to black people. And you have entire parts of this um, city were covered by those documents until 1964. So that is what we hear of as redlining, and it went on all over the nation, not just in yeah. Minneapolis, but it happened on Long Island as well. Levittown, famous planned development that was probably 20 miles east, uh, west of where I grew up, maybe not even, maybe 10 miles. 
uh, famously, you couldn't be black and, and buy a home in Levittown. And uh, redlining went on. Uh, it, it's, it's a very uh, a practice that is still happening, as a matter of fact. It's not gone away. It still occurs. It might be economic redlining, but it, it still goes on. And Minneapolis is also a city where there's been a real pushback on the idea of density buildup, of building more housing units and um, getting away from single-family homes like they're trying to do in Portland, for instance. But uh, are, you, uh, are, you, are you seeing any, uh, any, any progress on any of these issues since you moved out there? I'm seeing more people, you know, I'm being unfair about, like, the people telling me to move because they tend to be on the reliably on the right wing of the spectrum. I am hearing, like, more neighbors, like, agreeing with me. Yeah, this is, this is an issue. We are the... You know, we are, like it or not, the beneficiaries of a systemic racism in this town. And what are we going to do about it? Like, you know, besides, you know, erect a lawn sign, erect a lawn sign. Yeah, yeah. it is a bit of that whole well-meaning white people thing that drives me insane because it's like you don't need to tell us this is more like. They always say when you're writing, you should show. You know, you you got to show us. Don't tell us. And this is telling us. And we want you to show us now. We want you to dig into your pockets. We want you to sacrifice. And we want you to send money to organizations you believe in that are doing the kind of work that maybe you're not willing to go out and do yourself. If, if that's, right. you know, the grand American capitalist tradition of paying people to do the work that maybe you're not prepared to do, you're not able to do, you're too frightened of the coronavirus to go out and do whatever it is, you send them some money. Now's the time. So bust it out. But that's not why we had you on the program. We, I, I no. want to have you here to talk about Civil War statues and the Garden of uh, Memory or whatever the hell the president's calling Earthly it. Earthly Delights. The Garden uh, of I Earthly think, Delights. You know, that, was that, that was that Bosch painting. Whatever it is he wants to do and his defense of... Uh, confederate monuments and i i get back and forth all the time on social media with people and i realize i'm wasting my time when i try to explain how so many of these statues and monuments came about and more importantly when they came about during this period of jim crow point uh the majority of these monuments and there, there was the the absolute peak we're all used to looking at you know at fever charts right now if you look at the absolute peak of that fever of the erecting statues fever chart, um, it happened in 1909, which was the not coincidentally the year that uh, Lincoln's head appeared on the penny. Also, uh, I've read that it's when Civil War veterans uh, started to die off, and yeah. they were yeah. in danger of being gone, and this lost cause movement arose to basically say that what the South did was noble somehow. Absolutely, and it was it was a concerted disinformation effort uh, by the group called the Daughters of the Confederacy, because what happened was— you know, in the 1870s, early 1880s, a lot of Southern, a lot of uh, Civil War veterans and their families had their kids coming back from school, and they were reading from Northern textbooks that basically told the truth that the uh, war was about slavery, and that the South lost, and um, good thing too. 
And is, is this when the phrase the war, you know the uh, the war of northern aggression came about? Because I used to hear this from truck drivers a lot. I would talk to truck drivers about the Civil War, and they would call it the war of northern aggression. I think that the war of northern aggression was a little bit later. I don't know the exact time of origin of that. Let me. Uh, of that phrase, but yeah. I think it was a little a little bit later. Um, and I think that guy went on to work for the George uh, Bush campaign. Whoever came yeah. up with that phrase, yeah, uh, but that might have been Lee Atwater that came up with the War of Northern Aggression. But it, I used to say to these people, these truck drivers, are you telling me that the Civil War was not fought over the issue of slavery? Is that what you're saying? And they would insist that that, that was indeed the case. It wasn't about slavery, that, that Lincoln didn't care. And it's true. I mean, Lincoln didn't believe that whites and blacks were equal. It, I mean, you got him on that. You can't, he can't walk away from that. He said it, and he can't walk away from it. But, like many of our heroes, they have feet of clay. And he also set about freeing these people that were enslaved. Yeah, and, and the other thing about Lincoln is that it's easy to play gotcha with Lincoln that he was very much a kind of a Rorschach test for, or, or kind of like a chameleon for, for whatever the racial attitudes of his time were. And he was just a little bit ahead of them. That was his thing. You know, yeah. he knew that you couldn't just be, he didn't get elected to, um, and slavery, he he got elected to contain it to where it presently was because it wasn't or the war wasn't about the South wanting to have slavery and the North wanting to take it away. The war started at least as the South wanted to expand slavery to the new ter- the new state territories that were coming in and pretty much wherever else they wanted it to go and the north saying whoa <laughs> no, hang on just a minute it stays where it is we do not go any further with this inhumane institution and uh so then it transmogrified and and we get to the emancipation proclamation we just had juneteenth and we enter this phase of uh essentially uh, this newfound freedom for for all these people who um, then we had to, and when I say we, I mean white people, had to figure out how to kill that party. And this was part of it, wasn't it? I mean, putting these statues on 30-foot pedestals of Robert E. Lee and creating a traffic circle in the middle of the town where everyone had to go around Robert E. Lee, wasn't that a way of saying to people, hey, we still, you know, we're still the victors. You may have think oh, you've won, but ab- we're still the victors. Absolutely. It was, and... It was a sort of a disinformation or a miseducation campaign by mostly by the Daughters of the Confederacy. And the statues were like the visual aids for their really big um, project, which was it was called the Measuring Rod, which is this pamphlet that basically they sent to all the school source south of the Mason-Dixon line saying, Okay, if you want to if you want to have a textbook, a history textbook in your classroom, it has to have, you know, it has to say these things, basically things that almost no historian agrees with nowadays, like, oh, well, you know, the Constitution was just like a gentleman's agreement and we and uh, 
and um, most slaves were well treated. And, you know, the northerners were not in the interest. I mean, it's like so many different, basically every lie uh, that you hear on social media these days yeah. was, was part of their original plan. Boy, it, it was a pretty good propaganda campaign because oh, still, it we're amazing. still dealing with it. I mean, and, listen to this. You want to hear like what the, you know, their their punch list of of what a uh, textbook had to cover. I'll listen to anybody's punch list. Sure, sure. And uh, and tell me how often you've seen these on um, social media. First is the Constitution of the United States, seventeen eighty one was a compact between sovereign states and was not perpetual nor national. It was just sort of like, you know, Netflix and chill on a, on a state level. You know, nothing nothing serious, more of a hookup than a marriage. Yeah, sounds wrong to me. Secession was not rebellion. No, how could it be? No, it Please, was just what? A, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was the just North. a bad day? What was it? The North was responsible for the war between the states so that um, when they fired on Fort Sumter. Yeah. Yeah, apparently um, it was maybe because they were the way they were dressed or something like that. They yeah. were asking for it. Yeah, they were asking yep. for it. And then Francis Scott Key wrote that anthem. Yep. Yep. Okay. Got to replace the that slaves, too. Yeah. Uh, the war between the states was not fought to hold the slaves. Okay. No, it was fought to actually um, <laughs> hold more slaves in more places. So yeah, so technically, is, yeah, I guess they got technically that one. True. Yeah, technically, technically true. Technically um, true. The slaves were not ill-treated in the South, and the North was largely represented responsible for their presence in the south that i think was, there's a lot of slaves who would disagree with that statement yeah yeah and those photos of them with the with all the whip scars on their back that doesn't look like fun i don't think they were self-flagellating in some kind of weird no, religious no, tradition so if you're asking me yeah and the right. fact that so many so many black people have light skin miscegenation um, Miscegenation. Yeah, and that was uh, that was perpetrated by the uh, slave owners, including Thomas Jefferson. I mean, come on, come on. Hey, did you watch Hamilton on Disney by any chance? Disney Plus. I haven't signed up for Hamilton yet because don't bother. We got like a half an hour in. We were like, oh god, it's it's insufferable. I'm sorry. Really? Because you're not in a Broadway theater. I mean, if you were in the theater and it had that sort of overwhelming live aspect to it, you, you'd really have something, man. But it's on a screen, and it's, it's, it's like, eh, eh. It's a filmed musical. Eh, meh, on that. And I, uh, that's, I, that's disappointing. It is disappointing. It's disappointing. I was so disappointed. Hey, do you want to play Karen of the Week before we run out of time? Sure. We're going to pick a Karen. Jim Ryan's going to help me. And uh, Karen of the Week. All lives matter. And we not got just some pretty good Karens this week. She's a doll, she's a queen, she's a tantalizing teen, and Karen is her name. I want the manager. At a party, she's a snobber and a rock and roll and romper. Everybody's glad she came. Get out. Hey, that's Karen. You need to go home. We do not want you here. Get the fuck out of this world. She sets her hair 
I want the manager. It's a favorite indoor sport. Yeah. And by the light of television, she can even write a book report. I am not a racist person. There is no one greater north or south of the equator. Karen's always in a world. She's alarming but disarming and a really very charming modern girl. Hi, Hi Steve. My name is Karen. Wait I like anything from diners and to I exclusive care. restaurants. From football to horseback riding. If you'd like to have fun, pick up the phone and call now. Call 760-422-5528. We're going to play a round of Karen of the Week with Jim Ryan to wrap up the program. And uh, Jim, I know you don't know how this works, but it's pretty simple. I play three Karens or four Karens if I can. And you choose the best Karen of the week. And uh, hopefully you already know what a Karen is, right? I already know what a Karen is, yeah. All right. So we're going to start with Costco male Karen. This one pains me because my brother works at a Costco down in North Carolina. So this one is a little painful. I believe this was in Indiana. Don't quote me. But this uh, fart knocker lost his job after this display. You're six feet away from you. You're harassing me. I'm not harassing you. You're, you're I coming feel close to me. You're coming close Back to me. Back off! Threaten me again! Back the fuck up! Put your fucking phone down! That was pretty good, Karen. Male Costco Karen. Yeah, what is a, what is a male Karen called? A Ken. They're actually a calling Ken. them Kens. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm down with that. I kind of like male Karen. Yeah. Myself. And Karens everywhere are upset, so apologies to all Karens. Sorry about right. that. I know some. My first girlfriend was Karen, so and she wasn't like that. Is it time for her to change her name to Cat or something like that? Maybe. Nah. No. Uh, she's in Germany, so. Okay. Uh, so Never. that is Costco male Karen. A guy worked at a law firm, or insurance company, or some damn thing, and he's been canceled. He don't have a job no more. So now he's more full of rage. He's full of rage, and he's unemployed. So this this can't possibly go well. I'm just saying. Uh, next is Dental Mental Karen, who threw a fit at a dental clinic, the Smile Clinic, because she couldn't get her teeth clean. Here's Dental Mental Karen. You're going to work on my teeth, not my nose. I don't wear a mask getting my teeth clean. But it's about the safety of, our, of all of our... Fine, I'll cover my mouth. Can I go be seated now? No, because you're not you're not filling out the forms or letting us take your temperature. It's about protecting our... You can't take my temperature. Everybody. That's against the law. All right. Well, I can't you're not an MD. We're not okay? allowed to... No, I have a right to sue you for harassing me, the manager, and this entire company, Smile, whatever you call it, Dental. I do have that right, and I talked to my attorney before I came here, too. So does he want that to happen? I've waited long enough for my teeth to be cleaned, okay? Let's get this done, okay? They're telling me I can't see you. Who's there? The owner of the practice. I want to hear him. Get him on the phone. He has to send me in written writing, so I want to see your policy. You shouldn't be in the building without a mask, either. I can do what I want. I'm free. It's not a law. It's not a law. This is a medical law. Oh, no, that, 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 for, that, that for me is a near-perfect Karen. It had everything. It really is. It had it really hits the mention the, of the manager. Of the bases. It had the threat of litigation. It had a nonsense phrase in written writing when she said written writing, whatever that is. That was a near-perfect Karen. I'm going to give that a lot of points in the final yeah, tally. And the, and the invocation of um, it's illegal. It's illegal, yeah. It's illegal. Like they're, like they're a legal yeah. scholar, right? 
And uh, yeah. by the way, maybe uh, we'll inaugurate a new feature this week because this is like the third, fourth Karen of the week. Maybe we'll do a gold, a silver, and a bronze because there's not going to be an Olympics this year. I'm just saying. They can't <laughs> do the Olympics because of coronavirus. All right. You want to hear Burger King Karen? This is a sure. great Karen. In this Karen, this woman pulls her SUV or crossover, whatever it is, up to the drive through window of a Burger King. She's at the second drive through window. First window, you get your food. The second window, you pay. So she's paid, but there's something wrong. She hasn't gotten her food. Why do you think she hasn't gotten her food, Jim Ryan? They're still making it? No. The Burger King is on fire, and the employees <laughs> are fleeing the Burger King. And she pulls up to the window of a burning Burger King to insist that she get a refund. Here's Burger King Karen. Hey, I don't know, Jim. That might have to take the gold. I mean, a yeah, woman it's is a, it's at, a really tough one. It's a tough one because in that uh, Burger King, Karen, I heard a number of things. I, I heard uh, this woman berating these people who worked at a Burger King, saying, that's why you work at the Burger King. And I heard the one of the male employees call her a stupid hoe, so extra points for that. And uh, the people laughing at her, saying, the building is burning. Why are you talking about your refund? We're fleeing a burning building, and Karen is there to get her money back because she didn't get her fries or whatever the hell happened. Yeah, I it's, mean, the, the mix of obliviousness and entitlement is strong in this one. The Venn diagram of this Karen is nearly perfect. At yeah. the intersection of uh, privilege and cluelessness. Yeah. So, um, should, should I throw a fourth Karen in, or do you think three Karens is enough? I don't want to gild the lily, to use a Civil War era phrase. I'm just guessing that was during the Civil War. I have no that idea. That was actually Shakespeare, but okay. All right, yeah. Well, he was a little earlier. Yeah. Than the Civil War. So, uh, do you want to hear? This one is a little more complex, and it, it may not. You know what? I believe in leaving them wanting more. So let's stick with the three Karens we have. And in case you forgot. We've got Costco male Karen. This guy. You're harassing me. I'm not harassing you. You're coming close to me. You're coming close to me. Back off! Threat me again! This guy who his girlfriend. Back the fuck up! Put your fucking phone down! Or wife keeps saying his name, Ken. So I guess I guess that's why. Hey, wait a minute! I just made that connection. Light bulb just went off, Jim Ryan. That's why it's Ken, because of that guy. Yep. Right? So he freaked out at the Costco, and he lost his job, and now he sits at home plotting his revenge. 
Dental mental Karen wanted her teeth cleaned, goddammit. You're going to work on my teeth, not my nose. I don't wear a mask getting my teeth cleaned. Yeah, that's dental mental Karen who uh, threatened litigation and wanted to speak to the manager. And Burger King Karen... Oh, my God. Jim, I've, I don't think I've made the choice very hard for you this time out. I, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Was, I was all about the second one, but then I heard number three, and, and she just takes it. She takes the Burger King refund. Burger King Karen, who pulled up to the pay window of a burning Burger King, insisting that she be given her refund. Man. Jim, next time we'll spend more time together. I'm sorry we kind of ran out of road, but it's always ah, a pleasure no to speak with you. And uh, out there in Minneapolis, the epicenter of a movement that has now uh, gone global. And uh, with the death of, unfortunate death of George Floyd, it's, I mean, ah, oh, man. You know, it's uh, that this guy's name is going to be forever associated with this movement. It's not something I don't think anybody ever wanted. Uh, and it's... Uh, it's just the way that it's going to be from now on. We're going to think of this man and how someone kneeled on his neck for almost nine minutes as we try to make ours a more perfect union because that's all we ever set out to do in this country. We didn't try to make it perfect. We tried to make it more perfect, you morons. And that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's what we're moving towards. And when, if we have to leave 30% of the country behind, Jim Ryan, so be it. I'm okay. We so, leave them yeah. behind. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's right. It's good to talk to you uh, all the way out there in Minneapolis. And uh, there he goes, uh, my friend Jim Ryan, who uh, joined us for a few short minutes to talk about the Civil War. Not so much about Alexander Hamilton. It was on this uh, day. Well, it's tomorrow, actually. He had one more day to live, I guess. Uh, July 11th, 1804, when he was shot down by Aaron Burr. Gentleman, he had the nerve I told you I would go out with this and on this supersized edition but then he came to his senses of Aerial View. I leave you with this. No other place, no Me doing powder finger. Do his kind of talk show. Man. And I'm the memories. The man they come flooding back like memories, Don't eh? This is the HoundNYC.com. Hound howls all throughout the week and crashing a party. 5 p.m. Eastern Time on uh, that wonderful introduction. Sunday. I'm not going to talk over myself. Here you go. Thanks again to Jim Ryan. Civil War I'm expert. I'm interpreting the song by imagining the young All the way out there in Minneapolis and Ken Katkin in uh, Kentucky, constitutional scholar and professor who joined me to talk about recent Supreme Court decisions. And uh, stay here. More hound howls to follow. This show has run over time, but uh, I will turn it back to the hound in just a few. Look out, mama, there's a white boat coming up the river With a big red beacon and a flag and a man on the rail I think you better call John Cause it don't look like they're here to deliver the mail And it's less than a mile away I was hoping it 
That was Joe Belock's favorite performance of the night. Chris T and Crazy Horse Meat. This is Number Jackie four. Mason reminding you to take your belongings. And you don't wow, have to take them, but if you want to, it's up to you. By the way, ask for a receipt. That, that, take it, ask them. Don't be ashamed.